Amen. We've been talking about um, the importance of church membership. We've been talking about that. We've been titled. We titled this series that membership mattered matters. Uh, we've been talking about being rooted. Amen. We've talked about worship. We've talked about the word of God. And now we've been talking about witnessing. Amen. That as a believer, our task is to bear witness to a dying world that there is a kingdom that the world does not see. Amen. We are to bear witness to that invisible kingdom of God by the way we live. All right. Um, we've talked about that there's a difference between witnessing and evangelism. Evangelizing and witnessing. When you go out into the world, how you carry yourself, amen, that's your witness. All right, now let me explain something about witnessing real quick. Witnessing, it's just no different than you standing on standing on the witness stand and giving a witness a testimony of what you saw amen i was i was going to go there but i'm a, i'm a, i'm a, i'm gonna hold on to that for a minute watch this watch this watch this watch this witnessing as to what <laughs> you have seen god do in your life there's that all of us have what's called a testimony right all of us have a testimony remember i said sunday do you remember when you heard the gospel do you remember that moment that god saved you and you were like for real right and after that you were now brought into the kingdom and now that you're in the kingdom you are now you are now being discipled, and I'm going to deal with that. That's my next series. We're going to talk about discipleship here in this series. But, but you are now being discipled, and that means you're, you're learning now about God. You're learning about his kingdom. You're learning about what it means to live for God, what it means to glorify him. That's what you're doing now. Bible study is not how you're discipled. This is corporate discipleship. But discipleship is done one-on-one -on -one where we build a relationship together and we do life together. Are you with me? Now, here's the thing. You don't, you don't automatically know how to live as a Christian after you get saved. So what you need, what we need is discipleship. But one of the things that God has called every believer to do is to witness, is to evangelize, and it is to witness. Many Christians, I told you, are weakened and hurting from soul wounds. Are you with me? Broken hearts. Amen. And their capacity to share the, their faith, watch this, they lack confidence. Amen. They lack confidence in sharing the gospel because they feel like, man, I'm not equipped or I'm not, you know, I'm not adequate enough or I don't know enough of the Bible to, to witness. But that's far from the truth. Remember this. Remember, the task of bearing a witness is to make visible what is otherwise what? Invisible. Are you with me? And so watch this. You don't need to be trained 
to live in front of people. Come on, somebody. Hey, are y'all with me? But can I tell you something? You and I have to be careful that every word that comes out of our mouth, watch this, it serves as a witness. Okay? Now, we're going to get into the scriptures in a minute, but watch this now. Watch this. Satan has come up with a plan, and I told you that. Right? So the question is, what does it take to be a witness? What does it take to evangelize? What about the person evangelizing? First of all, let's go to Acts chapter 2. Let's go to Acts chapter 2 real quick. This is the beginning of the church. Acts is the book, if, if you would, it's the history book of the church. Okay, Acts chapter 2 and verse 32. Back it up for a minute. Amen. And so a person that wants to witness, he must know, first of all, if you're going to be a witness and if you're going to evangelize, you have to know Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, personally. You can't witness about somebody you don't know. Now, here's the thing. You don't need to be an expert in theology to know Jesus. How you come to know Christ, you know him by faith, by your confession. Look what it says, brethren. I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to what? This day. You see that? Am I in the right one? Yes. All right, 30. And so because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the what? The resurrected Christ. Are you see this? seeing this? Here's the thing. Without the resurrection, Christ is nothing. All right? We, listen, he had to have risen from the dead. That's why the resurrection is a very important belief for the believer. Right? Muhammad is still in his grave. Krishna is still in his grave. Confucius is still in his grave. You know, all these people are still in the grave, but Christ is the only one that rose from the dead. And what we are evangelizing, who we are evangelizing for is, watch this now, the risen Savior. Remember this, the risen Savior. Watch this now. It says that he was what? Either abandoned to Hades. He was neither abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh suffer what? Decay. Now, let me share with you what that, what that, what that gives you a revelation of. That there are some people who die and they go to, they go to what? That's a good reason to witness, don't you think? A good reason to witness because people who die without knowing the risen Savior will go to Hades or hell. Are you, are you with me? And, and some of us say, oh, that's my, that's my boy, that's my girl, that's my boo, that's my thing. And then all of a sudden, we're sharing everything, but we're not sharing our faith. Listen, it's simple to share, your, to share your faith, but to evangelize is something that you and I are called to do. And how we do that is very important because you and I have to point people to the risen what? Savior. Don't point them to you. Don't say, well, look what God did for me. Look at how blessed I am. No, 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 no. Look how God changed my life. 
I don't think like I used to think. I don't talk like I used to talk. I don't walk like I used to walk. Come on, do I have anybody who can honestly say that since you met Jesus, the risen Savior that is, and so what the writer is saying is that Christ was not abandoned to hell, nor did his body suffer decay. That's what will happen to us when we die. Death is a reality of life. Listen to me real good. Death is a reality of life, but for the believer, when you know Christ, come on somebody, you don't have to worry about that. You, if you have a loved one who's passed on and they know the Lord, you better shout to hallelujah that they knew the Lord. They made that decision because they're not in Hades. Do I have anybody? And their body may suffer decay, but their soul and their spirit is with the Lord. Look at verse 32. It says, This Jesus God raised up again, to which, watch this now, we are all what? Witnesses. In other words, what Peter was saying is, listen, Christ rose, and you are in a wit you are a witness to it. Watch this. Don't deny what you know. But don't deny what you see. Listen, instead of envying people, pay attention to how God is changing their lives right before your eyes. Now, people got the wrong idea today, right? Listen, I'm living my life as a witness before you. You see me getting ahead, but rather than stand with me, you're hating on me. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. And anything you do for Christ, you'll have haters. But live your life in such a way, pay attention to the people around you, and then look at it and say, man, if God can do it for them, he can do it for me. How many know he can do it for you? How many know he can do it for you? Come on now. Come on now. Verse 33 says, therefore, having been what? Exalted to the right hand of God. And having received, you know what I said to Jesus this morning? I don't have a moment today, man. I said, I've been knowing you for 20-something years, and I want to know you better. I don't even know where that came from, but this morning as I was praying, I just felt like I want to know him better. He sits right now, if you could picture it in your mind, at the right hand of God. He rose from the dead, and the message that we have in evangelism is that Jesus can change your life. Listen, we're going to give you a little bit of food, but let me give you some real food. Listen, whatever area of your life that Christ cannot get into, you better let him in. Because if you don't let him into every area of your life, then you're not fully converted, y'all. There are some people that converted to a point. They let Christ into certain areas. Okay, you can have this, but you can't have that now. Hold on now. I still, I still depend on that. I still need that. But the moment you, listen, when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, of being sick and tired, of being sick and tired, then you will realize that the only solution that you do have is who? Jesus. The risen Jesus. Exalted to the right hand and having received from the Father the what? The promise of the Holy Spirit. You know what brings us together here corporately? 
The Holy Spirit. You and I have the Holy Spirit poured upon us tonight. He is in us. This is why I was sharing, sharing with the with, with the with, with our with our team in in Houston. At, you know, when we're serving, let's not just come in here with with a secular mind. Let's come in here spirit filled. Understand that you are vessels that God is using. You are God's vessels that He is using to witness to a dying world. That place is dark, y'all. But when you go out, you share light with the world. Are you with me? Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and here's what I'm getting ready to teach. I'm getting ready to teach how to have, how to live a spirit-filled life. A spirit-filled life. Some of us are living, but we're not. We're on empty. We're on empty. We're living on empty. We're leading on empty. Come on, somebody. We're, we're, we're living on empty because, watch this, because for some reason, you and I have not tapped into what the power really is in the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? I don't know how I got there, but look. Three, uh, he said, look what he said. He says, whom he poured forth, whom, I'm sorry, he has poured forth this which you both see and what? Right. For it was not David who ascended to heaven, but it was what? He himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. That ain't, that ain't pertaining to your enemies now. Get the context right. That's Jesus. His enemies will be at his feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both what? This is Sunday's message. Both what? Lord and Christ. This Christ whom you crucified. So what Peter was doing, he was addressing the Jewish people at this particular time. Say, y'all crucified him. But guess what? We came to know him. And we have the Holy Spirit. And he's, he's not dead. He's alive. Listen. Listen. Can I tell you something? You only live... To the capacity or to the level of your belief about who Jesus is. Did I say something right there? So if you think he's dead, you're going to live like that. If you think he's weak, you're going to live like that. If you think he's not powerful enough to change your heart, if you don't think he's powerful enough to fix, he knows. Are you with me? Not only must we know the Christ, the, the risen Christ personally, but we must witness to the Lord Christ himself. Acts 1.8. Acts 1 and 8 says what? Yeah. Now let me, let me help you with this. See, witnessing, it's not about your ability. It's not about my ability. As a matter of fact, when I evangelize, I don't just go out there and knock... <laughs> I was watching this movie. I ain't gonna tell you what I was watching. <laughs> How about I not tell y'all about that? And so uh, the pastor and his son came up to the door, knocked on the door, right? And the lady, <laughs> the lady opened the door. She said, "Yeah, I believe Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior." Now what? <laughs> she knew it was the pastor <laughs> and the son. She said, "I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ." Now what? <laughs> And that stuck in my mind. I'm saying to myself, man, like, that's how it is. 
You know what I mean? Listen, notice, I have not pressed in our mission work. That's what we're doing. I said, what we're doing first is we're witnessing. We're just being a light. We're being a burning bush. See, here's the thing, right? You, you know what's one thing? You know the burning bush was a witness? Here's the thing. You got to decide whether you're going to be the same and blend in or you're going to be different and, and cause people to stop and say, man, something about that life. There's something about that life. There's something about you that causes me to stop and say, man, what, what do you have that I need? Are you with me? But look what he says. He says here, but you will receive what? Huh? Power. You will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come what? Why, why are we not living a power-filled life. I'm talking about like power from the Holy Spirit. You, you understand what I'm saying? He says you will receive power. So here's the thing. Not everybody can witness because they don't have or they have not received the power because they are not either saved or filled with the Spirit. Now listen, let, let me give you a quick, because I'm going to get into the Holy Spirit details, but watch this. When you're saved, immediately quit letting people teach you wrong stuff. The moment you get saved, you're filled, you're sealed, and you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Immediately. There ain't no wait till later till you get it right and then you start speaking in tongues and then all of a sudden now you're now you so spiritual. Some of those people I know who could speak in tongues, I'm going to leave that alone. Stop looking for God in mystical, magical, folklore kind of stuff. Stop looking for God like that. The Holy Spirit is in you already. Do you not know that's a tactic of the enemy? Watch this. If the enemy can keep you chasing after something that's not really there, but watch this, but you already possess it. Think about this for a minute. You already have the Holy Spirit, but you're out there chasing a feeling when all you need to do is ask for the feeling. He's so close to you that you and I don't know it, but sometimes people are searching and trying to reach a level of, of spirituality that they cannot achieve because they're running after something that does not really exist. How many have been in churches like that? Right? Where, where, where they, they, they painted a picture of... This is what you need to get. When you get the Holy Ghost, you're going to, you know, you know. Right? And then, and then when you got it, your life was still broken. How come it only activates on Sunday morning? How come it don't activate all week long? Late in the midnight hour when you're at the club. How come it don't convict you that you ain't supposed to be there? Come on now. See, there's something about the Holy Spirit. Listen, 
your life and my life, if we were to just yield to him. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my what? My witnesses. In other words, what Jesus was saying to his disciples, Jesus was not interested in the crowd because he wanted only a few witnesses who were real. He wanted real witnesses. He wanted a witness who can testify that, hey, I'm not perfect. Come on now. I got problems. I got issues. But guess what? I'm living the life that God has called me to live. Amen. I'm doing it not to the best of my ability. I'm doing it according to the strength and the power that the Holy Spirit supplies to me so that I can live out this Christian life. Do I have a witness? He says that you will be my witnesses where? Both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. And so what he's saying is that I don't want your witness, watch this, to just be local. I want your witness to go around the globe. 2,000 years ago, the man, it started with 12 men. And the gospel is still powerful today. Can I help you with something? Just because you're saved doesn't mean you don't have the power no more. Now, what we have to understand is this, that we have to realize that your witness is not about you. It's about what God has done in you and is now doing what? Through you so that when you witness, people don't see your Gucci. I'm sorry. People don't see you. They see the Christ in you. Remember what I told you? Not everybody can come to church, y'all. I don't know why that thing, that keeps sticking in my mind. Like, not everybody can walk through these doors. Amen. But it's a privilege that you and I can. Listen, we can easily, this thing can easily be a turnoff to us. Satan is his strategist, y'all. Go to Acts chapter 26. The reason why I'm staying in Acts because this is where the first church started. First church started, and this is the history of the first church. Acts chapter 26, Paul, who was formerly Saul, he was converted. He is now standing before Agrippa, and he's giving a witness. <laughs> you know, uh, if you look at verse 20, chapter 26, verse 20, Agrippa said to Paul, you are permitted to speak for yourself. See that? <laughs> And Paul stretched out his hand and proceeded to make his defense. That's, what, that's that word apologii. Okay? That word apologii is not apologizing. It's defending your faith. See, that's the, that's the other thing you have to understand about witnessing. Because when you go out here, here's what you're going to find out. There's going to be people telling you that Jesus is black. 
There's going to be people out here telling you that uh, this is the white man religion. Uh, this Christianity is a bunch of fake people. Church don't mean nothing. Okay, so you have to be solid in your faith. You're going to have the black Israelites going to try to tell you that you from the descendant of Israel, that you are from Ezra, I mean, uh, all the tribes, that somehow you are linked into the tribes and all this other stuff. You got to be careful because, listen, false Jesuses didn't start today. When the, after the church left out of Jerusalem and it went into the Rome in the first and second century around there, you found that there was so many, there was so many, heresies so many things going against christ people did not know what nature he was some were arguing over his nature some were arguing whether he was god whether he was not god when you learn church history you'll find out this is not new christ isn't even here but he's being blasphemed right now are you with me the bible says you can blaspheme him but when you blaspheme the Holy Ghost, come on somebody. Verse 26, where am I? Chapter 26, verse 22. What does it say? Testifying. See that? That the Christ was to suffer and that by reason of his resurrection from the dead, he would be the first to what? Proclaim light, both to who? The Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Here's the thing about Paul. Paul knew that he was standing before his persecutors, but he knew he was going to die. See, Paul already knew death awaited him. See, the problem with us is we want to save this life. But we don't want to go through nothing in this life. Watch this. Because we want an easy street life. But if you're going to live for Christ, you will suffer. But remember this. Your suffering will not be in vain. Your suffering will be a witness to a dying world. Here's the one thing that you and I must understand. In order for you to witness, you have to be spiritually equipped. But the one thing that we have to one thing that we have to understand, the success in evangelism is simply taking the initiative to share Christ, watch this, in the power of the Holy Spirit and then leaving the results to God. I'm going to say it one more time. Success in evangelizing or witnessing is simply taking the initiative to share Christ, watch this, in the power of the Holy Spirit and then leaving the what? The results to God. How do we react when a person rejects us? How do we act when a person persecutes us? How do we react when the person says to us, listen, I don't want to hear nothing about your Jesus. Can I help you? Can I help you with something? 22 years ago, God sent two preachers to my store to witness to me, to evangelize. And you know what I did? 
I told him, I don't want to hear nothing about your Jesus. I called him everything under the sun. Amen. But eventually, I had to bow down to that same God that I denied. So here's what I'm saying. If you, if you are ashamed of him publicly, if you're not ready to be persecuted, if you're not ready to be talked about, if you're not ready to be lied upon, if you're not ready to be backstabbed, come on somebody, then I, I, you probably won't make a good witness. It's good that you stay in quarantine. <laughs> you were doing good. See, Christians got away. Amen. Let me let me help you with something. Christians have become comfortable now. I ain't got to show up. I can just watch on Zoom, watch online, and then guess what? I ain't got to be a witness no more. But we can't witness, Pastor, because the COVID-19, you know, is rising again. <laughs> yeah, I understand. But you could you could you you could witness from six feet, right? Ain't wasn't nothing wrong when the when they opened up the NBA opened up when the when 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 boxing opened up when all these venues or when the club opened up when all these venues opened up ain't nobody was talking about six feet then people were willing to put themselves in harm's way for pleasure for one day come on somebody come on somebody come on somebody but when it came down to the most important thing listen here's why I'm saying this okay the the reason why I'm I'm passionate about witnessing and evangelizing is because this is what will save a person from going to hell that's the bottom line can you imagine all those little kids we're feeding every day if they don't hear the gospel what will happen to them you wonder why they got behavioral problems, why they have issues. They have issues because they don't know the Savior. Not all of them, some of them. And everything starts at the head, the parents. And if you can't get to the parents, you got to somehow get to the kids. And if you can evangelize, listen, if they know every cuss word and every word in the song, how is it that they can't understand that Jesus died? Come on. He was buried, he rose from the dead, and he's coming back for you. And all you got to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Christ died and was buried and rose from the dead. These people spend hours, some of us spend hours listening to all kinds of, I'm going to say, it, stuff that don't glorify God. You can't be a witness if you ain't training. Come on, somebody. And the greatest training field for you and I, I'm not saying we got to be perfect, y'all. I'm not saying we got to be perfect. Don't ever think I'm saying that. But, but listen, listen to me. You got to come and be discipled. Wait till I get on discipleship. You got to come and learn. You know what a disciple is? A learner, one who's always learning. I was, I'm, in, I'm in student advisory now with the school, with our students, right? And, and I, I was talking to one of my students today, and I, and I was sharing with her. I said, she's like, well, my, my, my people say, I, I, all I do is work and go to school, work and go to school, work and go to school. And, and, and I was sharing with her. I said, be careful of that statement. Because people who are not doing something, will always come alongside you to tell you you're doing too much. And you look at them five years from now, they have not accomplished anything. 
But if you're learning more about God, what's wrong with that? I'm just saying, like, I'm just asking the question, right? So if you get a bachelor's, why not go for the master's? Listen, and if you get a master's, why not go for the MDiv? And if you, go, if, you, if you go for the MDiv, why not go to the doctoral degree? My point to say is this. The higher you go, and not just in education, but this stuff changes your life. The more you learn systematic theology, the more you learn about God and things like that. Yo, listen. The more you grow, the deeper your relationship is with him. I don't just learn stuff to learn it, y'all. I learn stuff to live it. Like I told you this morning, I had like this moment with God this morning where I'm like, man, I want to know you more. More than just me getting up every morning, God, I thank you. Jesus, I love you. I want to know you. I want to I want deeper. Anybody, anybody want deeper? Anybody want depth in that relationship? Can I, say something? Can I say something to you? It's about maturity, but it comes a point in maturity where you plateau. That means you got to go what? To the next level. So can I ask you a question? How deep is your relationship? Or is it shallow? Can you drown in that? It's a shame when people drown in shallow water. Can I tell you something? One time I was walking with one of my daughters and I was telling her. We were walking down the track. And I said, you see this tree at the top right here? See how high it is? That's about as high as it's going to get. Because it's at the top. I said, but look at that tree down at the bottom. It was, by, it was a river right there. I said, you see how big it is? I said, water don't flow to the top. It flows to the bottom. And when you stay low. Oh, y'all ain't trying to hear me. When you stay low. See, up to, everybody want to be on the top, but you can only go so far. But when you stay low, you'll always be supplied with what you need from God. And watch this. And you will begin to grow. My, my illustration to her was talking about pride. You can't be so high and mighty. Where you think nobody can reach you. Oh, come on, help me somebody. You can't want to be on the top of your game where you're so high, even God can't reach you. But if you ever look at humble people, they rise. Because they're always being supplied, even in the dry seasons, they are by the streams of what? Water. And in whatever they do, let me help somebody with something. Here's what I'm saying. If every time I say something, you say, oh, I got it. You didn't even listen. You didn't even hear what I had to say. So that means there's pride there. But if you slow down and stop and listen, you'll begin to learn. Then you'll begin to grow. Stay humble. Can I tell somebody something tonight? Trust God's timing. Trust God's timing. God wants you to witness because of the benefits he offers to those who receive him. Got a few seconds. They become children of God. All their sins are forgiven. Come on, somebody. They have assurance of eternal life. 
God also wants you to witness because of the benefits you will receive. Amen. The Bible says they that lead others to Christ will shine like the expanse of the sky. In other words, he's talking about the stars of the sky. Those who lead people to Christ will shine in this life and in the next. But here's the thing. It's about your motivation. I'm closing this today. Go to Mark 16. Mark 16. Motivation. You know, I've seen people run out of motivation. You know why? Because motive wasn't lined up with motivation. Motive and motivation was different. That's why some people start off strong and they run out of steam because what was pushing the motivation was their motive. And when that motive is not right, here's the thing. What makes you and I think we can fool God? The God who knows you might as well come clean. Matthew 16, 15 says what? Mark, I mean. You see what I'm saying? See, see what I'm saying? He says to what? I'm, I'm going to deal with that. In, in, in my discipleship lesson, but watch this. He says, go into all the world and preach. You don't need to be a preacher to preach. <laughs> that word just simply means to be a herald of the tale. The gospel to all what? All what? All creation. So this, this is what I call the universality of the, of the gospel. It's universal. It's not just for one person, one group of people. It's for everybody. All right. It says he who has been baptized, he who has believed. See, that's the key. And he who has been baptized. You know what? Bap baptism is just an identification of your witness. Baptism is an outward expression of what has happened on the inside. That's all it is. Baptism doesn't save you. Believing saves you. But baptism means that you are now on a new team. That you are witnessing for a new savior. Come on somebody. He says. But he who what. Has disbelieved. Shall be what. Condemned. And then verse 17. These are the signs that will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. Which they did. They will speak in new tongues. Which the disciples did. They will pick up serpents. Never seen that. In, well actually. Paul at, at, uh, at Malta, he, he got bitten by a snake and didn't die, okay? Those were the accompanying signs that God was using for the first century church. Go pick up a, 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 a scorpion if you want. And, and then say in the name of Jesus if you want, okay? This was a, val a validating scripture, a validating point, an illustration to the world that they truly did believe. Amen. 
All right, so so don't think you can go do all this stuff and 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 come back here as somebody else. Okay. All right. All right. Amen. Amen. All right. Okay. So now let let me let me close this thing by saying this. Your motivation for witnessing is really important. I don't know. Can I ask you a question? Can I ask can I ask all the question? Do you have a heart for lost people? Like, do you really have a heart for, for the loss? Or are you just living your life? Because if you have a, a heart for the lost, then your motivation is correct. Like, I, I have friends that I'm not just going, we're not just going to hang out every week. And I know that I'm going to heaven, but I know they're not. Now, I'm not God, but I can tell by the way they live. And one of the key signs of people who are really saved, they come to church. People who don't want anything to do with church, I'm suspect about them. And people who complain about the church, people who say the church is this, that, and the third, don't want to be discipled. In other words, they don't want to be accountable, they don't want to be teachable, and they're not approachable. Amen. So they will interpret the Bible on their terms and then tell you this is what it means. And then y'all arguing about something that both y'all are wrong about. All right? We are called as ambassadors. An ambassador is one who goes to another country and represent his country in another country. Matter of fact, you have diplomatic immunity in whatever country you're in, especially if you're from the U.S. So, so, so what happens is, let's just say a war breaks out in that country and you are living in that country. You can get protection when you run to the embassy. Come on, somebody. In other words, you are protected inside of, there's a war going on outside, but even the rebels know they can't touch the embassy because they know it's like having a country within a country. Now, let me help you with something. Your citizenship now is in heaven. You and I are ambassadors to the king upstairs. And the king is asking, as I close this, the king is asking, what are you going to do for me while representing me on earth? R real quick, go to John chapter 4 right quick. I got to close with this one right here. I know, I know, I know. Let me give you the short version, okay? This is Jesus... Um, the woman at Samaria. She was a roundaway girl. Busy girl. She was busy. But she came to Jesus. She came, she came, well, she didn't come to Jesus right away. She came to get water. Natural. Let me ask you a question. From verses 1 to verse um, 6, Jesus sent his disciples away to get water, to get food. 
Why do you think Jesus sent them away? Because he knew he would encounter this woman at the well. Okay, I'm, I'm fast forwarding the story real quick. In other words, God can orchestrate a witness at any moment. Now, you've got to decide whether you're going to be the vessel or you're going to pass on it and somebody else will do it. Because whoever God wants to save, we will save. But it's still up to the person to accept. It says, verse 7, there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples gone away to the city to buy what? Food. Therefore the woman said, how is it that you being a Jew ask me to drink since I am a Samaritan woman? So it tells you here the Samaritans and the Jew had had a long feud against each other. Watch this now. See, when Christ saves you, he takes you to places and puts you around people that you didn't even fool with no more. That's what he does. That's what the gospel does. It breaks down division. It tears down the walls of dividing. And what it does, it opens up a way for even your enemies to come to know Christ. She's thinking, "Is my why is this Jew talking to me? Verse 10, Jesus answered, said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you what? Living water. In other words, he realized that this girl, this woman, watch this, is spiritually dead. Because she could not recognize who was asking her for a drink of water. See, sometimes when we go witnessing, people are not going to automatically recognize, watch this, they say, oh, I know Jesus, yeah, okay, whatever. They, you don't recognize who you really deny. This is why we ought not to take it personal. Verse 11, she said to him, sir, you have, nothing to, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Notice, what Jesus did, he put it out there, and he talked to her not about Niagara water, not about uh, Voss water, not, not about Blue Jay water, but he said something that sparked the interest. He says what? Living water. Why did he say living water? Because he understood that man in his mortality is always looking for something, watch this, to extend his life. So in her mind, she's thinking, living water? Hold on a minute, what kind of water is that? I can live forever? Hold on a second. That's the same thing Eve said. Oh, y'all got to see this thing. Y'all got to see this thing. Watch the text now. She said to him, sir, I'm sorry, verse 12. He says, you are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drunk of it himself and his sons and his cattle. Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. So you got to ask yourself a question. Are you just living for one day? Are you just living to thirst again? Come on now. It says, but whosoever drinks water that, that I will give him shall never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become in him a well springing up to eternal life. That whole verse 14 is loaded. In other words, Jesus was saying, I can save you. And then when I save you, you get eternal life. Now, what is, what is her mindset? What does she know about eternal life? She knows something because she's talking about Jacob. She, talk, she knows a lot. See, you can have a lot of Bible knowledge and still don't be saved. 
still don't have the living water in you. See, that when you have the living water, life looks different. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I will not thirst nor come all the way here to draw. See, when we witness, we have to offer something. And what we're offering is not mysticism. Not something that's far-fetched. Not telling them God has a wonderful plan. You don't know that. God may have a plan for them to suffer. And watch this. But they will enjoy suffering when they know the Christ. See? When you know God and you understand why you're suffering, you ain't going to trip. Because you understand it's part of the process. Can I, say, can I say this to someone? Listen, part of your development is pain. Because without pain, you can de develop. Watch this. He says, he says to her, he want, now she wanted the water, right? He said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right. Amen. <laughs> because the only person that know what I did in the past and even now, can you imagine? She's living, she, listen, she's living with somebody else's husband. But she know the Bible. Come on now, come on now. And have no conviction of laying up with a man that ain't her husband. That somebody, can you imagine the feud she's having with that woman? Anyways, look what he said. And, and our fathers worship at this mountain. Look at this, look at this, look, look at that conversation. And our father worship at this mountain. And you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. In other words, here's what she was saying. Here's what she was saying. She was saying this. She was saying, the only way for me to be forgiven is if I go to church. But Jesus said, the world is my church. As long as you have the right message, the correct message, the correct gospel, that's what saves people. Watch this. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, and I was coming, and neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you what? Worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from what? The Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers, will worship the Father, what? In spirit and in truth. For such people, the Father, what? To be what? You know what Jesus was doing in that moment? He was seeking a worshiper. But it's your witness that can help somebody else come to know Christ and fulfill, amen, by giving glory to God.